Thank you for listening. Uh, listening to the Church of Christ Church, Christ Church podcast. podcast. For more information, I hope that you are encouraged and inspired, inspired by the message you are about to hear. And if you're ever in Christ Church, why don't you pop in and say hello? We'd love to connect. Well, if we haven't met, my name's Pete. I'm the campus pastor here at um, Belfast and uh, Elam in Belfast. And uh, it's an honor to be able to have you here, particularly if you're watching online, maybe someone's just shared this uh, and you're just kind of checking in to see what church is about. It's an honor to have you here. I wonder if there's an area of your life um, or a story that you've heard, maybe a particularly good story where you've struggled to believe it, struggled to believe that it's actually for real. I, I get that Every time somebody says, and I'm going to maybe catch a bit of hate for this if there's any Warriors fans, but any time a fan of the Warrior rugby team says, this year is our year, there's a little voice in the background that says, yeah, you said that last year and the year before and the year before that. In fact, for the last 10 years, you've been saying that, hey, this is the year. In fact, even the Warriors as a rugby team had a slogan that says it's a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith, maybe because they're just trying to drum up faith in their supporters, saying, listen, we've had bad times in the past, but I'm telling you, from this year, it is on. Every time someone says that, I think, you know what, I'm glad that you've got faith, but I'll believe it when I see it. It's that story of kind of going from the bottom of the table to the top of the table. It's that story, it's that comeback story, is that for real? Is that real? And so whenever somebody shares a story like this, We have that question in our hearts. We want to believe it, but the question in our heart is, is that for real? Is that honestly, truly for real? It's not just about sports teams. Uh, If you remember the old uh, infomercials on TV, someone selling you this product like the Ab King Pro that is just a glorified piece of plastic and a rubber band, but this thing is just going to change your life. You can have washboard abs, just be like picture perfect, model perfect, in just three weeks, 10 minutes a day, and you can go from this, and it's a sad looking guy, to like this really happy looking guy, and he's like totally different. And there's something inside of all of us that says, yes, yes, I want to believe that. I'm going to pay $49 a week for the next six months, uh, probably something like that, $3,000 overall, um, so that I can have that. Uh, but then there's, with that desire to believe comes the question, oh, is that for real? Is that honestly, truly for real? Because the thing is, when it comes to life change, it's not enough just to be encouraged in a particular area. You can't send me away from here and say, Pete, uh, you can be a better dad. Just go from here and just, just be a better dad. And I, I can't go from here as encouraged as I am and actually see lasting change in my life. It's not enough just to be encouraged in a particular area. It's not enough for a story just to encourage you. The thing has got to be real. Jesus has actually got to be able to change your life. The resurrection has actually got to be real. What we need is the real, tangible, life-giving power of God in our lives. Simply nice words are not going to cut the mustard. I know that you know that to be true. And so I want to share with you today about what the Bible teaches about the resurrection of Jesus and what it means for you. This is Uh, A scripture found in Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 8. This is the scene. Jesus has been arrested. When he was arrested, all of his disciples fled. He was given the indignity of a fake trial. 
they, uh, they beat him, they crucified him, and he was dead. Literally and physically dead. And this is where the, the scriptures pick up in verse eight, in verse one, sorry, verse one to eight. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. And no doubt they're expecting to find in the tomb what you find in just about every single tomb. You find the remains of somebody who used to be alive. In verse two, it says this, they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the woman bowed down with their faces to the ground, and the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. Those last two verses really strike me uh, because Jesus had told the disciples what was going to happen. He had told them. He said, we're going down to Jerusalem. The people there, you know they don't like me. I know they don't like me. Well, I tell you, they're actually going to arrest me and put me to death. And in that moment when they put me to death, the whole world's going to go dark. And physically and literally as well, it's going to go dark. But in your life, it's going to feel like darkness is there. But you need to have hope. You need to have hope because I am going to raise, uh, be raised to life again. Jesus promised that he would come back. They had forgotten about that particular promise. They'd forgotten about it. And so they were surprised to see these angels and Jesus uh, not being dead, but actually being alive. They were surprised about it, and then they remembered his words. Can I ask you, have you ever forgotten the promise of God in your life? He promised something. He put a promise over your life, maybe even from Scripture. He puts promises over your life, but it's easy to forget about them. It's easy to forget about them, and then you find yourself in this dark moment where everything feels hopeless, and it's not hopeless. It just feels like that because you forgot the promise of God. Maybe uh, you've forgotten that God promised that He would provide all your needs, and so you've got the stress in your life. Well, how am I going to find uh, money for this thing? How am I going to find food for this week? How am I going to find this situation? And the, you, you've forgotten that God said that He would promise uh, provide all of your needs. Maybe you've forgotten that uh, his plans for you are for good and not for evil. And so life comes along, death comes along, family members pass away, and you start to wonder, God, are you really good? Are you really good? But his promise was always there. His promise said, listen, my plans for you are for good and not for evil. You might have forgotten that God has created you in his own image. And so you look in the mirror and you think, oh, I wish I was more like that other person. Or I wish I had these set of skills. And so you start to doubt yourself and your own self-image is not where God says that it should be or is. And you feel unworthy, less than the ideal, like you're not as good as those other people. Well, I came to remind you today, you might have forgotten the promise of God on that. God has appointed you. He has blessed you. He has placed His Spirit within you. He values you so much that He sent His Son to die for you. He has created in the Latin, imagio Dei, in the image of God. He has created you in His own image. That's the promise of God. 
Friday felt hopeless only because the disciples had forgotten the promise. Don't forget that you are in the middle of one of God's great comeback stories. Yeah, the death and resurrection of Jesus is an interesting story. It's an interesting uh, set of events. It is both literal and symbolic. And there's a number of times in the Bible where we find stories like this. Uh, Genesis 1 is an example of that. It's both literal as well as being symbolic. We, if someone says, oh, is it, which one is it? Well, the answer is that it's actually both. And the, 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 the um, resurrection of Jesus is exactly like that. It's both literal and symbolic. It's literal because Jesus actually died. You know, the cells in his body were starting to decompose. His heart had stopped. His brain was dead. He was dead. D-E-D, dead. <laughs> I was just keeping you on your toes. D-E-A-D. Uh, listen, he is dead. <laughs> and uh, as well as being literal, it is also symbolic. It's symbolic. And so what I mean is this. If I was to describe my childhood to you, it would take too long. There's too many events, uh, too many stories. Most of them you wouldn't care about. But if I was to try and describe them to you, that wouldn't be... Uh, wouldn't be very exciting for you. So usually when we ask somebody, oh, how, how was it for you growing up? What you do is you choose three or four stories uh, that you project and you kind of summarize the whole lot by telling these few stories. But if you were to get really clever, if I was to get really clever about describing my uh, uh, childhood to you, I might choose one or two stories that really did happen, that the, the features of the story are symbolic for the whole so I might tell you, as an example, I might say, you know, one time I was with my friends and uh, we were told not to go far away from the shore in our kayaks. Well, what we didn't realize was that, uh, was that about 100 meters offshore, the wind really picked up at this particular place. It felt like there was no wind on the shore, but when you got about 100 meters offshore, the wind picked up and it blew us out to sea. That actually happened. Uh, in fact, in that situation, a friend of mine, he fell out of the kayak. The kayak took off. He wasn't wearing a, um, a life jacket, and he couldn't swim. And so he had to hold on to the back of my kayak as we struggled over a long period of time with strength that I did not know I had in me back into shore. That's a true story. Uh, praying the whole way in. But if I was to tell you that story, I might also tell it to you symbolically. It might represent, for me, uh, this the situation at that time of a sense of adventure, a sense of recklessness, poor choices, and only by the grace of God did I find that he was within me, talking to me, giving me strength for the journey to come back to shore. I might tell you that story symbolically as well as literally, and it is both. And the resurrection of Jesus is one of those types of stories. It is both symbolic and literal. The resurrection of Jesus is a promise of resurrection for you too, because when he died and he defeated death, what it means is that he can defeat death in your own life, he can defeat sin, he can defeat sickness, and all that comes against you in, um, outside of his will in your own life, that the shame, that the addictions, that the failures and the shortcomings that balloon in our world Jesus can come along and cut down in the power of God because he is the God of resurrection power. Come on, somebody, this morning. This is why, this is why, this is why I get excited. Because in 1 Corinthians, it says this in chapter 15, Where, O death, is your victory? 
Uh, Death is there, but it doesn't have victory. It doesn't have power because there's something that's coming after death. It says, where, O death, is your sting? It doesn't take away the presence of death. It just takes away the power. It also says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 11, and the spirit of him, this is so exciting, who raised Jesus from the dead is living within you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who also lives in you. If you've got anything that's dead in your life, the promise of God is if we submit it to him, it will be raised in his time and in his will to life. What a promise, giving life to your mortal bodies. The question, I guess, is uh, what does this mean for your life? What does this mean in, in real life? And I've only got one point to share with you today. And so if you're writing anything down, you need to write this one down. It says that this means, this, the resurrection is God's plan to show his power. God's plan to show his power. This is what it says in Acts 2, verse 24. This is a controversial statement. I hope it rocks your world uh, because it has certainly raised some questions in mind. Uh, the situation is that Jesus is being testified about by the apostle Peter. And this is what it says. It says, this man, Peter is talking about Jesus, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death, nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It was impossible. Death tried to keep him down, but it's like uh, trying to, I don't know, I'm trying to think, uh, yeah, we won't go for an example. The first example I popped in my head, it wasn't relevant, but uh, death tried to keep him down, but it couldn't keep him down. Jesus was raised to life. But that phrase, God's deliberate plan, it was God's plan to use a wicked and evil situation to bring about glory to his name. It has always been the plan of God to use tough situations, even wicked and evil situations, to bring about his kingdom and to show people who it is. It was true in the life of Jesus, and my friend, it is true for you today. That the, For Jesus, where the entire of humanity was rescued, they were given hope, they were given life, they were given freedom, and three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. But there's a, there's a struggle, there's a struggle that we all face, and that you don't get to resurrection power without going through crucifixion seasons. If I was to preach only resurrection for you, what the message that we would be saying is that God wants to make your life miraculously easy. But that's not the truth. That's not how we experience life. Actually, God is the God of the, comeback, of, of the comeback story, which means he is in the business of using setbacks in your life. We can expect them, but we know that God, is, who is living and active inside of our life, will be turning them around for our good and for his glory in the name of Jesus. Yeah. You don't get to resurrection without crucifixion. 
You, don't, you get resurrection power by first having to trust God in the pain and the confusion and the family members that are passing away and the financial stress and the questions that we have about life. In those moments, we get the opportunity to trust God and see resurrection power. And that is what the scriptures say is his plan. That's his plan. To use, not create, use tough situations to bring resurrection story in your life. James 1 verse 2 says this, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers. Maybe you're expecting, oh great, pure joy is coming. Hallelujah. I like pure joy. Uh, Whenever you face trials of many kinds. In the King James Version, it says diverse temptations. Temptations. The temptation to feel overwhelmed when our problem feels too big. The temptation to give up and feel hopeless. The temptation to believe that the God who says that he has a plan for your life maybe is mistaken when it comes to your situation. Diverse temptations. Verse 3, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. What that scripture is saying is that God's plan to create faith in your life, God's plan to give you abundant life through Jesus, comes through trials of many kinds. That the resurrection power in your life comes through the crucifixion seasons. <laughs> Does sound like internship. We don't tell people that, though, when it comes. We, we have a, a ministry training program called internship here at Elam. And uh, that's what Robbie was saying. To anyone who's ever asked the question, why didn't God heal me that day? Why didn't he move in the miraculous power like he asked? Why didn't God provide that need that I had? The answer could be to invite you into the painful journey of learning to trust him deeper and to invite you into a comeback story of his strength and his power. As we're closing today, there's a pastor that I heard of that was diagnosed with a significant heart condition. He required a heart bypass. And uh, he had spent his life and his ministry over many decades having healing meetings and praying for people and praying for people and seeing God move in miraculous ways, seeing people come um, out of crazy illnesses and be restored to health and hope. Uh, He had had those things, and he had seen faith move mountains. So when he was diagnosed with this heart condition, he was a little embarrassed to start with that he even had it. He's embarrassed because someone of, of his stature and faith, maybe he thought, oh, why is God letting me get sick? The church rallied, though, and prayed and fasted in faith that he would be healed. Uh, But throughout the time, his condition only worsened, and he was forced to set a date for his uh, operation, an operation that he didn't want to have, that he was still believing he would be miraculously healed before that operation date came. God wasn't healing him, though, and he prayed harder and fasted more, but by the operation day that had come, he was still a very sick man. So last resort, he, he had the operation for the bypass. And he made his recovery and was daily asking God, God, why didn't you heal me? I'm supposed to be a man of faith. I'm supposed to be a, a kind of minister that believes for faith. 
I prayed, we prayed, we all prayed, and God, you didn't heal me. He just felt embarrassed, potentially a little let down or even abandoned. But then a few weeks after the operation, when he was back in the church office, he had an unexpected visitor that he didn't know come into his office. And the guy sat down and said, Pastor, um, I heard you had a bypass operation. Pastor was still feeling embarrassed about it. He says, yeah, that's right, I had the operation. The guy says, do you have a scar? Pastor says, yeah, yeah, I've got a scar down the middle of my chest. Man says, can I see the scar? This is a strange situation to find yourself in, if you're anybody, particularly if you're a pastor. So you, but the guy took off his shirt and showed a, a scar that was healing. The visitor said, listen, the reason I needed to see your scar is that I'm going in for a major heart bypass operation tomorrow, and I needed to know that the God who brought you through your operation is going to be standing beside me and bringing me through my operation as well. I needed to see the scar. I needed to see the scar. Can you see the lesson? So for this pastor, the scar becomes a testimony of what God brought him through. It was a visible display that for the rest of his uh, life here on earth, whenever he sees the scar, whenever uh, somebody else sees the scar, what they are seeing is a testimony of the goodness of God in his life. What they're seeing is the testimony that even though he went through the valley of the shadow of death, some come on somebody, that God was waiting there in that situation, that God was drawing him out of that situation, and God had in his own time and for his own glory brought that to pass so that everybody would see that it does not matter what kind of heart bypass uh, operation you have, there is hope and there is freedom on the other side of that trial. A sickness may not have come from God, but I tell you, the scar came from God. The scar will bring him praise and glory. If you've ever asked yourself, why did I have to go through that? And I feel this strongly in my bones, uh, that this morning there have been people who have had journeys with mental health, and you've asked yourself, Lord, that just came out of nowhere. I don't know where that came from. I don't know why I had to go through that situation. I want to tell you today, it might just be because God wants to place a scar on your life so that no matter who you speak to in the future, you say, yes, sister, I've been there. Brother, I've been there. I understand what it's like to have to take medication. I've been there, but by the grace of God, He has brought me out. God may be placing a scar upon your life that He can use to show the power of the resurrection in your life. The scars show God's power over death. The scars show God's presence in your life. The scars show that while there might have been a death, there has been a resurrection in Jesus' name. And I want to tell you today that when you get to heaven, there's going to be someone who meets you at the gate. His name is Jesus Christ. He's going to stand before you. Come on, somebody. And he is going to have scars. He'll open his hands to greet you and you will see his scars. His scars that tell you that someone has loved you so much they gave their life for you. His scars will show you that God's heart is for wholeness, healing, in Jesus' name. 
in life, God takes us through death experiences. That's the tough truth. But the good news is if you're feeling like you're in one of those experiences right now, there is resurrection power in Jesus Christ to take you out of that situation and to bring you hope in a future. The way to resurrection power is through death moments. So as the team come, I want to close this morning. And I want to ask you just a little personal question. Here at Elam, we never finish a service. We try not to finish a service without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. It's written on the wall. We want people to know God. We want them to know God. And so maybe you're here today and you've had a relationship with the Lord in the past, like Matt shared. But life and your situation has drifted, perhaps. Or maybe you've never known him for yourself. Maybe... Maybe you've just never known or had a relationship with him and this whole thing is new for you. I want to tell you today, there is nothing that God cannot overcome. There is no obstacle or addiction or sickness that is too big for you. But like all healthy relationships we have, God requires an openness and a vulnerability for us to open our lives up so that he might come in and be a part of it. I want to say, as the band plays, we... We want to give you an opportunity this morning to come to know Him. And I'm going to pray in a moment with every head bowed and eye closed. Right now, I want to tell you that God loves you. Loves you with all His heart. He sees everything you've gone through. And He loves you anyway. And we all sin and the Bible says that that sin separates us from God. God in His grace has made a way for you and for everybody to come back into relationship with Him. So He sent His Son from heaven to earth to walk among us. In our rebellion, we grabbed Him, we arrested Him, we killed Him. But when we did that, He was taking our shame and our brokenness and our sins and our poor choices off us, and He was placing them upon Himself so that everybody who would accept Him as their Lord and Savior would find freedom and hope and wholeness in God. So you can accept Him as your Lord and Savior this morning, no matter where your life is at. And we're going to pray a prayer. We always pray this every week, and we pray it out loud. I want to encourage you just to pray out loud with every person around, with every head bowed and eye closed. You pray this prayer. We pray, God, today, I surrender my life to you. I know I've sinned, but I believe that Jesus, you died for me. I turn from my old life and I turn to you. Come in and be the Lord of my life and make me brand new today. I choose from this day forward to live for you. Thank you for listening to this Elam Church Christchurch podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit www.elamchristchurch.org or connect at one of our services every Sunday at 10am.